Cast. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. At Baker's, no matter where you order free pickup, you get the same great deals as you'd get in store. So you can save when you order during band practice or at the dog park or wherever. Start your cart with the Baker's app and save from wherever today. Baker's, fresh for everyone. $35 order minimum. Restrictions may apply. Subject to availability. Get more ways to save at the buy five or more, save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Bakers, fresh for everyone. Hello, and welcome to the Social Psychic Radio Show, featuring Jason Zook. In uncertain times, we must change our focus and priorities. This show will highlight social justice issues with the goal of expanding minds and increasing unity, love, and mutual respect for ourselves and our planet. We support the Black Lives Matter movement. Our show aspires to promote social spirituality, which simply means that by coming together, we can solve any of our problems, including the goal of bringing an end to all forms of hate, discrimination, bias, or oppression. We must protect our environment, reform our criminal justice system and protect every citizen from police brutality. When we come together, it becomes possible to bridge the gaps that plague our society and divide us from within. We the people means everyone. Hello and welcome to the Social Psychic Radio Show. It's a great pleasure I have the opportunity of presenting Megan Haloka to the show today. Megan is a grieving mother turned grief coach who now has her own podcast called the Grieving Moms Podcast. Megan supports guides and offers tools to other moms suffering the loss of their child. She helps other moms navigate the unthinkable reality of losing a child. Megan helps grieving moms go from feeling empty, lost, and broken to learning to carry that grief and live alongside it. Most importantly, she offers the message of hope and empowerment to others who find themselves in a horrible, similar situation. Hope that there's life after loss, hope that there's so much more to live for, and encouragement that what you're experiencing in terms of the complexity of your emotions is normal. All this is possible, along with never forgetting or moving on from your baby or child. It's a great pleasure. I welcome Megan to the show. Hi, Jason. I'm so excited to be here and talk about grief and loss and really how it's a normal experience of our life and how we can support our bodies and minds through it. I want to ask you, what prompted you to start your journey? How did you first decide that you were going to be a message of empowerment and hope to other grieving moms? Um, it's kind of been a roller coaster, I guess, of trying to figure that out. I didn't, you know, when my daughter Aria died, I didn't think, you know, when she died that I'm going to someday help others through this. Mm-hmm. I do remember having a conversation with another mom, um, both of our daughters had died and we were talking that like, we do hope that in some way, some good will come out of this. Like it's so awful. We can't see what good would come out of it, but that maybe, you know, we're more compassionate with others, or maybe we're a better person because we know such pain or we didn't know what it would be. Um, and I was just trying to Honestly, in the beginning, I was just like, I want to do something to help others. I don't know, do a business. I don't know what I want to do. Um, I didn't know where my strengths were or what I, you know, what gifts I could offer to the world. But I had a friend say like, you know, grief so well, why in the world would you not just help other grieving moms? And I was like, number one, I don't know if I want to dive into that space because it felt so heavy. And I had felt like I was in such a good place in my grief. And I was like, I don't know if I can go and sit there every day. Um, which I found out as I've done this work that it's like, it's very heavy work, but it's, I don't take it on. And for me, it's a beautiful place to sit and hold space for others and be with them. And because I know that 
is part of their journey and part of their process and holding that space um, is part of their healing and really helping them. And so it's not heavy for me. It's not like a a bad place. Kind of what I was thinking before is like, I don't know how I can do that. Um, But really just as I've done the work and then I was like, well, I don't know how to help them. That was another thing is like, all they do, all they want is their child back. So how can I give them anything? You know, how can I help them in any way? Because they really just want what they can't have. And, you know, that's what I wanted. I wanted my daughter back. Um, But as I started working with people and started thinking about it so much, it just became clear to me that, yeah, all our grief journeys are different. We all have different journeys and paths. And as I've done called Caring Grief Framework. And it's like the closest step-by-step guide that you can have in grief because there's no step-by-step guide really. But the way that I've set it up is it's not like this is how you do grief. It's like, this is how you can begin to explore your own grief, your own emotions, your own thoughts, and really support your mind and body through your personal grief experience. Because we can't look at somebody else and say, oh, I'm doing it wrong, or they're doing it right. It's what feels right for me? How can I support myself? How can I get help? How can I, you know, enlist others to help me rather than trying to do it all by myself? And how can I know that I'm not alone and that this is a normal response to loss? And I didn't get a chance to tell you first off, but my heart goes out to you. I, I can't even imagine. I'm not a parent, but I'm super tight with my mom and, and my heart and my empathy go out to you for the loss of Aria and I wanted to ask you, uh, first off, I, I thank you for having the courage to come on and share your story with us mm-hmm. and for creating your your podcast, because it's a soft spot for me. Uh, when people come to me for readings and if they say that they've lost their child, I usually don't charge them because I just don't feel right. I feel morally for me. I have mm-hmm. plenty of time in my life to share with someone who's going through that kind of an experience. And I, I want to ask you if you could tell us a little about Aria. I'd like yeah. to hear. I'd like to hear about her. I'd like to. I'd like to know about. Her. And I want to yeah. see if you share her with our audience. Yeah, Aria was our third child. She's our third child. Um, we had two boys and a girl. Um, she was 15 months old. She was just our smiley little girl. She was so smiley. I often called her my princess. Um, she had such a like anyone that looked at her, she smiled at them always everywhere. She went, she was smiling. She had hip dysplasia. Um, that's where your hip sockets and hip joints don't fully develop. Um, so she had hip surgery at one year old and she had to sit in like a beanbag chair for, I think she was in her cast for five weeks stroller. Like she had to sit, her legs were kind of in a funny position, um, in a spica cast, And so, but she was so good. Like my next daughter, I don't think she would have done as well in um, a spica cast, but Aria just, she would just chill on her beanbag chair and watch everyone. And she would have a little cup of food and eat her food while she was in her stroller. She was so easy, easy going and just a really happy child. Every time I looked at her, like that's one of my favorite memories is like walking by her and looking at her and she would just like light up every time you look at her smile and she'd just kick her feet. Um, I appreciate that. She sounds like an amazing child. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's amazing. Amazing soul. I I shared with you off camera before we started that um, I've been doing readings since 2017 and I've become really close friends. One of my clients who came to me from, from the public through Groupon, I used to do readings to Groupon when I'm Mm -hmm. not practicing law. And uh, my, my friend Sandra came for me for a reading. Mm-hmm. And uh, I found out without her telling me, I found out she had lost twin stillborn. And one of the things I told her during that reading was you could live for a split second. Everyone has a soul and the soul lives on and the soul stays mm-hmm. connected to you as the parent and your child's always with you. And I, I feel very strongly by that because I've seen a lot of spiritual stuff in my life with my grandfather after he passed, he's come to me regularly in dreams and he's come to me in validating moments in my life. And I want to ask you as a, as a mom, do you, I know you feel her. I, mm-hmm. I can tell you that. I don't doubt that. I know she's your purpose. I know she's your light. Mm-hmm. I know she's your motivation. And I know she's super proud of you that you turned the tragedy into such a story of redemption, hope, and empowerment. And I want to ask you, how do you reconcile having her with you in a spiritual level, but knowing you had to give her up on the physical level in order for these bigger things to happen in your life? 
and touching all these lives of others. Yeah. You know, I think, I think it's a journey, especially with grief and child loss is, I guess I have a belief that I will see her in heaven again. Absolutely. Um, And for me, yeah. (laughs) And so it's when your child dies, you might believe that, but it's hard to accept it. Um, So that's been my faith the whole time, but it's like, okay, I know she's in heaven. I know I'll see her again, or I hope to see her again. But on some level, you're like wrestling with reality, wrestling with like, my child should be here. Parents shouldn't, or children shouldn't die before their parents do. All these thoughts that we have that are, are actually arguing with reality, arguing with what happened, which I think we all go through that because it, it just doesn't make sense in our minds. Um, but for me, it's been a process and a journey. And I'm very, I, I heard someone say to me that Aria is in such a better place. Like, and, and for me to want her to come back is actually selfish because she wouldn't want to come back. And I was like, for me, that's been like, yeah, that's true. I, she would not want to come back. If I were to die and go to heaven, I wouldn't want to come back here. You know, like, (laughs) even though I also now love my life, I enjoy my life. I'm so excited for my life. And every single day, like, I don't want to die, which I, I get that many grieving moms do. They're like, okay, I'm just waiting to die, which is, Hmm. which is what I want to help with. I want to help them find their purpose and find joy in this life because we are living, we have a life to live. And so going back to that whole thing is just, I, I have a belief that Aria is in heaven and that I'll see her again. And just trying to, I feel like the gift she's given me is I don't know when our lives will end. I don't know when my husband's life will end. My other children's life will end. And how can I live my best life? Um, really step into being present and being fulfilled right now. Um, and sometimes that means sitting with hard things and working through hard things. Um, that's all part of our life experience. Have you ever thought of it this way? And this is just my random question to you. Have you ever thought mm-hmm. that you gave birth to Aria and then this tragedy happened, but more importantly, you've given birth to empowerment, love, hope to others, you know, like and a message you probably <laughs> never thought of, right? You know, I don't, I, I just, I don't necessarily think of myself as somebody who's like, like people are always like your story. Why not? So, and I just like, I mean, it's my story. It's what, what I, I know, doing, but right? it's and there I, though. Like if someone was asked me, what's the greatest thing you could do the first thing in your morning dur- during your life, it'd be to spend my morning and talking to you for an hour to share your message uh, with my audience, because <laughs> you're the pinnacle of the type of person I want to have on my show to showcase because Love is unconditional. It exists in all forms. And a mother's love for a child is the purest form of love that exists. And you've taken the loss of your child. from You've taken Aria and transformed her into this amazing vehicle, a, a movement of empowerment for other me- mothers who are lost. Yeah. You're, you're I mean, a, that's you're, my you're goal. Like but, <laughs> right? But I, and I try to tell people, like, I'm here to shine a light for you yeah. to, and I always tell people that. Like I'm holding on to hope for you until you're ready to hold it for yourself because I see the hope. I feel the hope. I know that it's there. It's possible. I can see what's possible because I've lived it in my own life. Um, but I, I, yeah, it's, it's just hard for me to see just because it's, I mean, I'm living my life, right? I'm just, I, I feel like I'm just, it's just every day. That's what I've gone through. It was the most horrific experience of my whole entire life. Um, but I know that it's possible for others and I want to give those tools to them. You know, sometimes when extraordinary, when ordinary people have extraordinary experiences, they become extraordinary in and of themselves. And I know humbly you would always want to think, well, it's just my life. It's just what I'm doing. But you, you, you should see what I see is someone that went through something that that's very unsettling and it's all about transformative. Right. And you took that transformation and you were like, you know what? I know you went through hard times. I'm not minimalizing, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. you've taken it and and you've, I, I'll use the word birth. You birthed something else from that. And you're like, you know what? You know what? I'm not going to take this play and deal with it. I'm going to switch up those cards of that hand of cards. And I'm going to, I'm going to make it about something else. 
And what I want to ask you is this, at what point did you pivot? At what point did you have a, 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 I'm almost feeling like something might've clicked in your head one day, you woke up and you were like, you know what? I'm not going to feel like a victim anymore. I'm going to take this and make this something. Do you recall when that um, was? Or how you that know, was? I think straight from the beginning, I was, I, I looked at my life and I was like, I'm 23. Um, is my life over? That's kind of what I was like. I, I can't see any hope. I can't feel any joy. Um, I would look at pictures of myself in the past and just cry because I was like, that was the last time I felt joy and I'm never going to have that again. But I did hear from another mom, um, which gave me hope from another mom who had lost her son. It's like, you know, it's different. And she was trying to explain it, how it is. Um, it's different. You're not who you were before, but it's possible to have joy again. And so I had that hope from her. But then it was like, I I just... I'm just not a person who gives up, I guess. I don't, I don't want to give up. There's many moments though of like the roller coaster of grief. And I just was like, okay, I want to get to the point where I can feel like I'm being the mom I want to be. I can connect with my husband. I can live life again. I can have joy. I want to laugh. Those were like my, my um motivating factors, I guess. And so I really I spent at least a year. Um, and I don't even really like giving time timelines because timelines are so different for every person's. But for me, it was at least a year um, going to therapy twice a week, um, really spending time with my grief. I spent hours and hours and hours and really like opening up spaces for my grief, like going through Aria's clothes and sitting with it and processing it and working through it. And really, instead of trying to in some ways, I think I was trying to rush my grief because I had this idea that if I could quickly get through it, I would get to the quote unquote other side and then I would be better. But what I've learned is that we carry our grief, that we don't get rid of it. It doesn't, we don't, you know, move on. We really move forward and you carry our grief with us. We learn how to process emotions. You learn how to sit with it. You learn how to know that your child is with you the rest of your life. You're not you're not going to forget them. Maybe other people begin to forget and they're like, oh yeah, I forgot that, you know, that happened to you, but you don't forget and you're never going to forget. And I think one of the scariest things about um, grief is that you're going to forget your child or that, you know, the memories start to fade. And you're like, I, I what I learned is that you never forget and um, that grief is with you forever. And so for me, having that realization of how grief shifts and how you can have happiness. Um, it just, it's like, it, it takes time though. Time is not what matters always. It's what you do at the time that counts. Um, but it does take time. It takes. So like, even now when I'm working with them, with moms are like, I feel so horrible and I'm doing all these things that you give me. And I'm like, I know, <laughs> I know you feel so horrible. It's what it is right now. Like we're not going to get rid of this horribleness right now. We're giving tools. It's like a life jacket to help you survive the, um, the grief waves that come. And so you keep doing these tools over and over and over. And then all of a sudden you wake up and you're like, whoa, it's not so bad today. So you might feel horrible and horrible for a long time. That's how it was for me. It's just like for that year, I was just like, I every day I'm trying so hard. I'm just trying to survive and I don't know what to do. Um, and then also it's like, Oh, I have more energy. I, maybe I'm going to be okay. I'm going to like, I'm going to be okay because I can start to see it now, you know, where I don't know if it was necessarily one moment, but for me, it was around a year where I, I was like, okay. And that's also where like my PTSD and trauma had been pretty well, um, healed at that point too. So it was, it was just, it felt like maybe the cloud began to lift a little bit at that point for me. I want to ask you regarding Aria, mm -hmm. our audience is likely going to ask, how did you lose her? And I don't want to dwell on that as much, but I'd like to mm -hmm. at least have that out there. So the audience is aware if they're listening to this and I want yeah. to see if you could share that with us. And um, yep. yeah, she was 15 months old, 15 and a half, 15, 11 days. Um, and I was pregnant with our next daughter. She was, I was 36 weeks pregnant. 
Um, but she died in the night in her sleep. Um, it's called sudden unexplained death in childhood. Um, there's no, it's similar to SIDS, but after a year it's cur- it's called SUDC. Um, there's no cause, no reason they couldn't, that they could find. Um, she just died. And I mean, it's hard to wrap your mind around sure. in some ways. And for me, I mean, that caused a lot of trauma with, especially with a newborn um, sleep. Sleep is like a thing that we all need to do. We need to sleep. Sleep is healthy and sleep became my trauma. Sleep became something that I was terrified of for me and for my other children. Um, it's taken a lot of work for me to get to be like, sleep is good. Sleep is a good thing. You know, <laughs> like happy that my kids are sleeping. Um, but yeah. I'm my, my condolences emphatically go out to you. And I just, I wanted to ask that just for the audience, but I want to ask, I want to turn this more to a message of positivity because I dwell on the positivity. Obviously you have to address grief in order to, mm-hmm. to, to be serious about this issue, but how did you transform all this into a podcast? <laughs> I started my podcast in, in 2017 and I didn't mm-hmm. have what's your, you know, your amazing story. I just, I decided just to do it myself out of a, mm-hmm. out of a desire to do it. So where did you, cause it takes work. I mean, I have friends that ask me all the time, how do you start a podcast? And I'll be like, get ready to put time aside. You're not going to do it right <laughs> away. And it's not as easy. Yeah. So it takes commitment. It takes follow through. It takes mm-hmm. when you're presented with an obstacle, you're like, you know what? I'll go around this. I'll figure this out. Mm-hmm. So how did you, how did you start out with your podcast? Um, you know, I, it was really scary in the beginning. Um, there's so many things like, <laughs> would, would they even like, if I were to ask somebody to come be a guest on my show, would they even want to come or what do I even have to say? But I actually feel like I have so much to say. And so it's kind of, <laughs> it's almost like a, a way that I can share my thoughts without having to go around and telling everybody in my <laughs> life about it all the time. <laughs> so I really, I actually enjoy it because I can share you know, what I'm learning. I'm a constant learner. I'm always learning new things um, and how I can learn more tools to support the moms that I work with. And even the moms who listen to my podcast, um, I'm, I, my podcast is mainly about many of like solo episodes of me giving, offering ideas of how to get through grief, offering perspectives of grief, offering different things that come up in my coaching sessions with moms, like different things that come up that maybe they're struggling with a lot that I'll, you know, kind of share in there, how we work through it. Um, but then I also have people who come and share their stories as well. Um, so it's, it's kind of a mixture of all of it, but it's, it was really intimidating to start. And the thing that I've learned is anything that you've never done before is intimidating. Um, so once you just take one step, you just keep going, like, you totally can learn how to do it. You totally like for me, podcasting is actually, I I do have help of people who um, edit and do my show notes and stuff. So it's actually very easy for me now. Um, In the beginning. Yeah. I, I, uh, I spent hours editing and like trying to learn how to edit was like (laughs) head hurt. I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. I just deleted my whole thing. (laughs) You know, like it was so, and I was so worried about every single like, um, and like, like, you know, I was editing (laughs) everything out and I'm like, okay, now I'm just, I feel a lot more flexible and it's so easy. It's so fun. And I just, I love podcasting. And I know I have a really heavy topic or area of working, but I, I really think of it as like a mixture of life coaching, grief coaching is combined. Um, I'm super interested in emotions and thoughts and how as humans, we need to feel our emotions and really just combining everything I learn in like self-help and personal development into grief and how can someone who's grieving take these tools and really support them through their experience. Mental health awareness is a big part of my focus since Mm -hmm. the pandemic happened and since everything's going on right now. And I think your topic fits squarely in such a capital letter fits squarely Mm -hmm. within mental health awareness. Cause when a, when a, when a parent, when a mother loses a child, I, I can't even empathize in my mind to think how harsh that's got to be. But what's more important than that? When a parent loses their child, what do they need? They need role models. They need coaches. 
they need somebody who's going to put go in their corner and prop them up and make them feel it's okay. You're going to get, you're that tour guy. You're the person that when someone says I lost my child, they Google, they find the grieving mom's podcast, right? Your, your podcast and your message is going to be out there for all to hear. And you may not realize that with timing of what you're creating right now, but your message has ripple effects mm-hmm. at last into infinity, right? So even after you and I are gone, that message will remain. And by the way, your footprint's going to grow in time. You're not just doing the podcast. You'll be doing other things. And you're going to be coaching a lot of moms. And, mm-hmm. and Aria is behind you. She's the energy. She's the life force that's in you that gives you that strength that has other people working with you. Because I feel very strongly about that. I think mm-hmm. when it comes to what you're doing and what you're accomplishing, there's a purpose to it. Yeah. There's a greater meaning to it. And what you've done so far with it has shown that, yes, we have resiliency, right? Yeah, which is so interesting when you talk about resilience. Because, like, when Aria died, I was like, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. That was, like, my first thing. Like, then I was like, you know what? People all over the world have gone through hard things. So many people have lost their children. So many people have gone through really difficult, painful things and they're still surviving. And so like, that was something I'm like, I think when you're grieving, you don't really always want to think about getting better. You don't want to think about life getting better because it's like, I'm, my life was good with my child. I don't want it to be better than before. Um, But there's, I just. I, for me, that was so powerful to think about how resilient we can be. And it doesn't mean that we don't grieve. It doesn't mean that everything is just roses and butterflies and everything's great all the time. It's really learning how to be with all of the experiences that we have grief and sadness and even depression and anger, all of that can walk side by side with joy and laughter and light and all of it. Like we, we tend to judge that we only want the good things and we only, we don't want any of the bad, the quote unquote bad emotions, but we can't have lightness without darkness. We need to have both. And for me, the depth of my pain has brought me greater joy because I've had, I've known so much pain. So I think that the deeper you feel a heavy emotion, that's the higher you can, that's available to you to feel a positive emotion. I feel like you've written your own chapter, your own book, future book, future book, right? I think there's a book in the making at some point, maybe down the road. Uh, I don't know. My husband told me that. And I'm like, I don't know. I I would say, why the heck not? (laughs) Uh, How many, how many moms out there are creating podcasts from grief? And making it about grief and helping others understand that it's not just the grief, it's the redemption, it's the resiliency, it's the renewal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That might even be a title. <laughs> no, I really could see you doing something like that because of how inspiring you are. I mean, look, we all consider ourselves ordinary, right? We think, ah, there's nothing about me that makes me special. And that's just natural, right? But when someone else is looking at your story and looking at what you're doing, you're not ordinary at all. You're extraordinary on every level I can imagine. I have a lot of notable guests come on my show and you're the most notable I can imagine right now because of the real life implications of what you're really doing. When you bring light to darkness, you are amazing in what you're accomplishing and the positive message of your overall situation offers hope to so many. That's what I love about your message. Mm You know, yeah. I'm, I'm, well, not down, I'm not downplaying the grief you went through or that you still go through or the loss of your child or Aria. I, I don't downplay that. But what I'm saying is when someone comes to me now and they say, oh, my God, I lost my child. What do I do? And I have parents call me all the time. Mm-hmm. Well, I should say as frequently, less frequent, more frequent. I'd want them to. OK, mm-hmm. but not as infrequently as you would expect. And I, I'd yeah. love to say to someone who's a grieving mom, say, you need to check out this podcast. Mm-hmm. You need you need to look at this and, and kind of consider this and approach it from the vantage point that this isn't the end result. This isn't game over. Mm-hmm. This is another life coming your way when you play the you know when you play a game on a, a game system. You get another plus one up. You get another yeah. upgrade. You upgraded yourself from your spiritual experience of of this loss and this grief. 
And I want to ask you about this. Have you felt that you've had a spiritual awakening since Aria, since Aria left? Have you, in other words, when I'll, I'll define that better for you. Spiritual awakening, meaning do you look at life more in terms of not just the here and now, but the larger picture of everything in general, where things fit together and that, you know, we're connected to our spiritual side, that it exists within us, it resonates? Um, I don't know if I necessarily have in that sense. For me, it's been more like, I have an anchor in heaven. Um, that's that's how I view it. Is like I have a, I have a greater purpose to keep doing what I do to of how I believe I get to heaven. Um, but I do feel like, in terms of just even being a a person who, I feel like it's changed me in so many ways. I don't necessarily know if it's in that spiritual awakening way that you're saying, but I feel like it has given me, um, like I've said before that grief is a gift that you can, you can see that gift if you want to look for it, but not everybody's going to choose to look for it. And that's okay. Like there, the thing I want to encourage is like to not judge somebody who's grieving because they are going through the hardest time in their life. Um, and that they get to choose and decide, you know, what do they want to do and what do they not want to do? But for me, seeing that, those gifts that I have gotten from my grief and from my loss and from the death of Aria, not that I would choose that, not that I want to go back and be like, Hey, yeah, let's go through this again. Um, is just like how I have changed as a person. Like I wouldn't want to be that person I was before. I'm way more compassionate. I have way more empathy. I know how to feel my emotions. I have so much more excitement in life and so much more like, I know deeply that life can end tomorrow. And I mean, this moment doesn't even have to be tomorrow. I know that so deeply. And on one hand, that could bring a ton of anxiety if I sit in that. On the other hand, it gives me the motivation to push past fear to do the things that I want to do. It gives me motivation or like the, the space to like... I want what's important to me sitting with my family, my faith, my friends, like what it brings me back to what matters to me in my life, what's important to me in my life. And I feel like it's grounding for me in that way. What from your grief have you found has empowered you the most? The, the thing, I mean, just really knowing that life can end at any moment. I think we, we kind of know that like, yeah, that could happen. But like when it's just sudden and she's gone, it's like, I feel like that's been really embedded into me is like, how can I connect with my children and my husband and like really being present where I'm at. Um, but I was going to say something else and I forgot. <laughs> you know how often that happens to me when I go to ask, ah, oh, I can't remember what I want to ask. Yeah. Your relationship with your husband, mm-hmm. how did the two of you strengthen your relationship through all this turmoil? Because I know that a lot of couples go through a lot of struggle mm-hmm. and how did you keep it relevant with yourselves and what did you do to overcome the challenges of the loss of art? It, it is a struggle and it is hard. Um, for the first year, it was the hardest year of our marriage. It was so intense and it felt like this continually trying to get on the same page over and over trying to connect. And we're just kept missing each other. We kept missing, like we're both making an effort trying to, and we could not connect. We could not, we're both on such different pages with our grief. We were in, I had trauma and PTSD and he's trying to be strong, quote unquote, for the family and keep everyone afloat. Um, it was so hard, but the thing that I, I really believe is that we kept trying, even when it kept feeling like we're missing each other, where we both try to connect and it's like, um, we're not on the same page. We just kept doing that over and over and over again. And eventually, and, and in the meantime, we're both allowing ourselves to grieve. I was getting help and working through my trauma. Like it wasn't just, we're just trying to connect. We were doing so many other things in the process as well, really working on being present with our grief, 
And eventually, because we kept trying, because we didn't give up on each other, it it has been the most amazing thing. It's we we have done like because we also had to work through really hard conversations. Like we had to learn how to communicate. We had to learn how to be okay with the other person grieving in a different way. Like I've really had to be okay with my husband grieving differently than me and really like step into he is grieving because so often moms can be like, I mean, we just, as grieving moms, we tend to make our grief like the worst grief, which I know everybody can understand, but also a father's grief is really big and painful to them as well. And it's just different. It just shows up differently. It's different. They process it differently. Um, And it's even between moms, we process differently. So it's just really important to let each person process their grief in their own way. And that's what I've had to learn with my husband is he grieves in his own way. And I grieve in his own way. And I really appreciate when he respects how I grieve. So I want to respect how he grieves. Um, And it's, it's really, I, I feel like we haven't had as deep of conversations as we have after Aria died. It really forced us to have those hard and deep conversations. And I really believe that's how you connect on a deeper level is working through those hard things. Every single time we have a disagreement or a really intense fight where I'm like, I don't know how we're going to get through this. I don't, I don't understand. It feels so big. And then we work through it and it's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm married to you. It's so amazing. You know, but it's getting through those times of conflict and de-escalating, right? Yeah. Consensus. Really. Yep. And, and it's, it's work. There's no easy thing about marriage and it's, yeah, but it's been so worth it. How did you arrive at naming Aria, Aria? Um, I know there's a story <laughs> to picking names. I'm just curious. Yeah, actually, there's a book <laughs> called Aragon, the Aragon series. There's an Aria in it. It's spelled differently, but I just loved the name. I loved how it sounded. I didn't really just love how it was spelled in the book. Um, and so we changed it to Aria, A-R-I-A. And it's actually like my absolute favorite name to this day. I I love her name. I got compliments on it everywhere yeah. I went. And yeah, I'll, and then after you're gonna name she a program was, after her in the future, another program <laughs> of some sort, you're going to do a healing program. It's going to be a healing modality. You're going to call it Aria. Watch. Um, my we'll see. <laughs> what do you tell your children about Aria? Um, we talk about her often, all the time. She's, we have pictures of her everywhere. We watch videos of her. Um, we tell her that, we believe that it was her time to die, that um, it was her time to go and that we all have a life um, that is decided before we come to earth and we don't know what that is. Um, that's our personal belief. And so that's what we tell them. And there we talk about her all the time. We talk about, I mean, she's very like our kids that never met her. They'll be like, oh, they they always talk about Aria. And it's really, I I like it. I want her to be a part of our story, um, a part of our life, because she is a part of our story. She is our child. Um, and actually, it made my heart really happy. Our babysitter um, wrote all, all our kids' names um, on sheets of paper, just like decorating and just like for fun. And she wrote REFA too. And I was just like, oh, I love that Aria was included, um, that she was there. And yeah, I, I mean, she's a part of. I, I always say I have seven kids. I'll tell you this. I believe very strongly that when we cross over, we don't suffer. There's no pain involved. You cross over. It's like falling asleep on the couch while watching TV. A lot of times I think part of the grief process is thinking, oh my God, my child suffered or, or you know, and if I was to tell you that that doesn't happen because being, you know, when you transcend your body and go to the other side, my belief is that you, um, you basically are reunited with your, with your mom, a mom, child bond. That's the strongest bond that exists. It's, 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 
it's like a mountain of granite, right? So your love with Aria is an umbilical cord that connects the two of you. So that's why you feel her around you all the time. That's probably why you may feel sometimes if you feel her in your subconscious mind or you you might feel her energy. It's because it's like a Wi-Fi signal. It's 24-7. You'll never downplay that connection. You just got to know what, how to feel it and how to sense it. And I know she's your beacon. She's your, she's your moment of connectivity on every level that exists because the, the, the reservoir of resiliency, I keep using that word around you, but your reservoir <laughs> of resiliency is infinity. It's unlimited. And I believe very strongly time doesn't exist on the other side too. So she's not waiting for you. She gets to observe you every day. She watches you when you look at shirts and try to pick out what color to wear for going out. Or if you're, you know, fidgeting through chores and, and events for your day, she sees all that. She's with you every day. You know, she watches you when you look over your other children. She And I, I feel very strongly about that. That's my personal belief. So when someone's grieving, I always say, I can't put my, I can't stand in your shoes and feel the grief, but I can at least let you know that if you think of death, like falling asleep on the couch while watching TV and it's so subtle and it's so you know, you have a greeter on the other side that greets you and they orientate you. And then they let you know, by the way, you're connected to your family back there. You can go and be with them any time you want. I feel very strongly about that. And I think you're taking the message of redemption and, and upping it. You're, you're, you're blowing it up. You're, you're helping. You're amping it. You're helping so many people right now. Whether or not you realize that. Anytime <laughs> you feel down, think of all the hearts you're touching, all the people that are healing because of what you're trying to do. Not trying, but what you're accomplishing, actually. Have you thought of that? You know, it's been a, it's been a process, I guess, of stepping into that and feeling more um, being in your power. Yeah. Feeling more confidence in that. I can help people and also just what I'm doing. And uh, yeah, it's, it's been a lot of work. If you ever want (laughs) to do any sort of anything, it takes a lot of work, but actually what I love about it is it forces me to do the work that I give to my moms that I work with. Like, Everything that I offer to them, I do myself. And I'm like, it it forces me to, I have to do it because I can't do what I'm doing without doing this kind of work. But yeah, I guess I, I just, it's taken me work to get to a place of feeling more confident and feeling more like I can help. I have a gift here that I can offer. I have tools and resource and things, but I still, I, I think what I love the most, or I, I shouldn't say what I love the most, but I do really appreciate when moms reach out to me and they share with me how it has helped them. Because sometimes I can be like, oh, is this actually helping? Am I even helping? You know, especially podcasting, you're like speaking into a microphone by yourself. Or <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you know, I can see downloads, but I don't know if people are getting help, if they're feeling, you know, like I, I can't always talk to them. So I love when people reach out to me and tell me and be like, Hey, yeah, keep doing what you're doing because it's helping me. So it's it's nice to hear from people for sure. Let me ask you this. If you were, if our audience wants to get in touch with you, let's say we have some grieving moms in our audience, how would they find you? Um, I have a few places. So number one, my podcast is called Mm -hmm. grieving moms podcast. Like I said, I do a lot of just solo episodes where I'm offering tools and ways and meditations and ways to support your body and mind through grief. Um, so you can find that on any podcast uh, platform, or you could find on my website. My website is meganhillica.com. And I, I have a mini program. If somebody wants to join the mini program, it's $27, but it's all about processing emotions. It's actual tools like tapping, um, emotional freedom technique, tapping. I do videos on that. Um, it's specific for guilt and sadness, those two emotions, but then there is other, like, there's so much more to it. It's a lot of information in a little course and anybody that wants to begin to learn, like what kind of tools I offer, what do I do? Um, it's a really great way to get started. And that's called stop talking, start feeling. It's all about, really beginning to get into your body because so often we want to talk either. We don't want to talk or we don't want to feel, but we also don't want to feel in the way that we try to talk our way out of it, try to talk our way out of our emotions. And so it's stop talking, start feeling.com. And you can find all the information there. You can find everything on my website though, at meganhelica.com. So that's a one-stop shop. So you said stop talking, start feeling.com is also yeah. that directs you to your, your site for your program. It's, 
it's for my program specifically, okay. but you can find all the other, like if you just go to meganhillica.com, everything is there. Perfect. I, I want to say this for me going through everything I've gone through in my life. When I do my, my podcast, I get to interview, interview an amazing person like yourself today and, and just connect with you. And I feel so empowered by your example. Personally, I have to share that with you, let you know that I consider creativity a healing modality. And what I mean is this, mm -hmm. you go through enormous grief, you're sad, you're depressed. Let's say people, even in the pandemic, having to go through what they've gone through and life transitions, right? For when I do a podcast episode and I come up with an idea and I find this kind of concept and share it, you know, it heals me. It's therapeutic. When mm -hmm. I put stuff out there and I post something, it, it gives me, I, don't, I can't even explain. I just, I just feel like I get healed. I get I almost feel like I get endorphins every time I do a podcast episode where I talk about higher things of spirituality and mm -hmm. hope. And, and I want to ask you, what do you think about creativity as a form of healing for oneself? I think it's, sorry, if you can hear my baby crying oh, in the background, <laughs> my husband's with her, but um, I think creativity is actually really important. Um, I do think that it can be an outlet for processing grief. Um, a way for people to work through the emotions that they have. Um, but sometimes with grief, like everything just disappears. Like you have no creative, anything You're like all the hobbies, everything that you used to do before, you're not interested, don't even want to do any of them. And so what I do with moms to help them, um, like learning to be themselves again and love themselves again, um, is finding those things that you can be creative with the hobbies that you like to do the things that really light you up because I, I think creativity is like, a un, what's the word? Like, a unrecognized, beautiful thing. Like, I think I used to think of creativity as like, a ah, whatever, like that doesn't really matter, but I'm like, you can be creative in so many ways. There's so many different ways that you can bring that creativity out. And I really think I, I just keep going back to like how we are as children. We're so creative. We play. And as we grow up, we're like taught to be in this box and, you know, like be the certain way. And this, this is acceptable and this is not. And all these things we kind of like, and then also we're like, I don't dare do that because it's too scary. I don't want to be creative. I don't know how to be creative. Like, that's what we think. Or that's what I've thought. Like, I'm not a creative oh, yeah. person. You know, and then I'm like, you know what? If we practice that and we allow ourselves to be creative, it's amazing. Like, what can I, I don't know if it like heal or like how you can feel so it doesn't take away the pain, but it still helps. It's like a way for you to process, a way for you to work through and release pain. Well. And with creativity, you're also conveying messages. Mm -hmm. You're relaying messages of redemption and you're relaying messages of, of strength uh, through your creative efforts, right? I'm 45, I'm aging myself, but I didn't know I was a creative person until I was 42, 43 when I started the podcast. I, mm -hmm. you know, being a lawyer, you don't really get to create things. And in my life, I always said, I, I draw stick figures. I can't draw, but I can write, but I can't draw, I can't. Mm -hmm. I can't edit, I mean, I can edit audio, but I can't create these amazing, but now at this stage of my life, uh, with all the time I had to stay home a lot in the past year, mm -hmm. I'm learning that I have my own way of being creative yeah. and that my way of being creative has its, has its own usefulness. And, and so, yeah, and I, I can see for you the same thing. I think your creative energy is what's empowering so many others because every episode you put out there that talks about healing that talks about the concept of grief that increases mental health awareness for grieving moms mm -hmm. is powerful, powerful, unlimited, infinite power. And, and you're in your power when you do that. And that's why I think the idea of having your podcast and to come on shows, having the courage to share the courage to offer, right? Those are powerful things. And yeah. Whether or not you realize that, I got goosebumps as I'm talking about this right now. Usually when I get goosebumps, that's validated. No, I know what I'm saying is right. Okay. And I love to see you laugh because you deserve that so much. You really do. Let me ask you this. 
what do you do now in your off time? I know you don't have a lot of it, but what do you like to do in your <laughs> off time when you have time to yourself and you could actually enjoy yourself? And- actually, well, I, I am a person of like many hobbies. I love basically everything. Like I can do anything and enjoy it. Um, but right now I don't have tons of time because, well, yeah, I have six other kids, but um, we are building a bus into a motorhome and we are leaving to travel the United States in a couple of weeks. So, so excited I'm for you guys. Basically working on that full time, okay. which is a creative outlet of building and um, really like creating a space, which is really fun. And the whole reason actually we even are doing this motorhome was because it has always been a dream of mine. And when Aria died, it's like, I mean, life is to be lived today, not for when we're 60, not for when we're 80. Like, I don't even know if I'm going to be alive when I'm 80. So I might as well live now. now. And so that is why we're doing the bus is because of that. I guess, lesson that I've learned. Um, So yeah, I do a lot of things. I love, that's been really fun right now, but I love being with friends. I um, am anything active, going on walks, running, um, doing sports, like being with my kids and my family, going, being with my husband, everything. I love everything. (laughs) What's your favorite music? um, Mainly my church music that I listen to. Yeah. Excellent. And if you were to be stuck in an elevator for an hour with somebody, it could be any time, any place, anyone, who would you pick and why? I know a lot of people would say their child, which I, I, I mean, she can't come back here. So I don't necessarily think that, um, but I actually like spending time with my husband. Okay. I just, I don't have like, you know, like sometimes people are like, oh, this person, this famous person that they're no, I mean, to there's spend no time with. And I just like, I like, I like being with my husband. I, I would, I, I think that's a beautiful answer. <laughs> uh, you found your better half and you um, are guiding each other through, through life. And you're taking enormous steps to live in the present moment. And that's powerful too, by the way, when you can live in the present moment and understand that you're going to make what you're, you know, what you're dreaming about happen now. You're not going to delay it 30 years because you, you just want to do it now, you know? And mm-hmm. I'm like that too. I feel like living in the now is probably one of the secret ingredients to having a, an impactful life and making mm-hmm. the best of the situation. Right. Yeah. We were actually running low on time. If you can believe this, <laughs> how fast these interviews fly by. Uh, I, uh, I want to ask you this. What do you see yourself doing five years from now with this stuff? Um, I've thought about that. Um, right now I do my podcast, um, group coaching, individual coaching, and I have a Facebook group and I, someday I would love to do retreats. Um, I have a, like a dream of having retreats where we do like meditations and yoga and really, I think it's powerful to push your body in a way that feels scary. Um, so like doing, like whitewater rafting or some like activity outside that's healing to be out in nature, number one, but also to use your body in a way that maybe like not to, to push you where, like where you can't do it, but like where you feel like, Oh my gosh, I did that. That was amazing. So that kind of thing, like a retreat like that, I would love to do. Um, I just don't have the bandwidth at this moment, but I do believe in my future. It will come that I would, I will do that. Um, I don't know. I, I really, I don't necessarily like there's the options are like going to do speaking engagements or books or like, I just don't know about those at this point. And you know, it's it's, the thing is what I've found is like, you can't know what your future is until you start taking steps forward. So with something in particular, you know, like I, I wouldn't have even known I would be right here. I would have never known at the beginning when I started doing this work that I would do a podcast where now my podcast is something I love to do. And it's so fun. And I, it's just, I don't know. Those are some dreams. We'll see what happens. If you were a spirit animal, which spirit animal would you be in? Why? 
have no idea. And I don't, I'm not even sure what that means. What's a spirit, I, I can, animal? A spirit animal means like finding examples within an animal that you feel motivate you. I'll give, I'll give you an example. I always say owl because I have two parrots mm-hmm. and um, owls are representative of wisdom. And I always say with my show, I seek wisdom with myself. I seek wisdom. And I always look as an intuitive above and beyond the barriers that limit us right here, right now to see beyond those. Right. Mm-hmm. So for me, I could think of owl as such for myself. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the one that comes to my mind is a horse because I love the feeling of freedom and a horse just running across the field. I just, I've loved horses since I was a kid. Um, I always wanted a horse and my mom told me when you grow up, you can get a horse <laughs> and I still don't have one. So maybe that will be down the road for me, but I could see you, just, uh, horseback riding at one of your future retreats. Yeah. I mean, that would be I amazing. That. I, I visualize that. Yeah. I, I love horses and I just, I love how horses look like that free. I think that's a huge thing for me. is like feeling free and freedom and really being able to feel like, how can you create your freedom in your life? And that a horse just running, I don't know. Just, yeah. if there's one thing about Aria that you could share with us that you haven't shared yet today, what would it be? I don't know. She was just a really special girl. I like how she was so easygoing and so happy, like so happy. Her happiness for me is like an example of, and like content to content to be with whatever life threw at her. And I don't know what else I would share with her. She was so little. I think that's what was hard for, like, I knew her really well, but other people don't, you know, like as you're the mom. A baby, yeah. other people don't know them as well. Um, but she was just so special and she was a daddy's girl. And so, yeah, I don't know. What else and she's with she you every day is my opinion. She's with you now. See, I, I personally think that when someone crosses over that they're, they're not dead, they're still constant and alive. And so I always talk to them in present sense. And I also know you'll be reunited with her in the afterlife, whenever God deems that to be. But the good news is you can know she's in a better place. You can know she never suffered and you can know that she's your resiliency. She's, she's the core of what you're doing right now and what you're going to become and what you're going to do in the future. Yeah. She, she is a lot of why I do what I do. Of course. Yeah. And that love is, is unconditional and it crosses all all boundaries and it, 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 it nourishes you and it, it surrounds you and fills you yeah. with that hope and that um, what I, what I think I would say is what's giving you the reservoir of strength to, to work with others. You know, you're a lifeline, you know, when you watch, I forgot what show it was, call a friend. I want to call a friend, help me with this difficult question. Whatever show was on TV. I can't remember off the top of my head. I feel like you're the lifeline for these grieving moms. They call you as their friend to help them through that difficult question, that difficult moment, that difficult time. And whether yeah. or not you accept that role, that's what I see you doing. <laughs> you're that you're that support, that, yeah. that that moment when people really need that extra chance to just you know let go and and, and let loose and, and 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 let it all out. I feel like you're that sounding board. Yeah, really. Like the the work I do is I want people to feel like their grief matters and their grief is safe with me and with the work that I do. Um, many moms I work with don't feel like they can grieve or that the people around them are letting them grieve. Even though like I, I work with them to like, you are in charge of your own grief. Nobody can make you grieve or not grieve, but there's definitely circumstances where they feel like they have to stifle their grief. And I want them to know that it's safe here, um, that they can grieve and really like I am a safe spot, but I'm also a place where I help you I'm also a coach. So I'm, I'm not like, there's a difference between like a friend and a coach and I, I'm a place where I can hold the grief, but I'm also going to point things out that I see, which when people come, that's what they're looking for too. Interesting point. Mm-hmm. As I've been doing interviews recently, I really have an increased appreciation of coaches because let's look at this analogy for a minute. Everyone follows some type of sport or has like the Olympics, mm-hmm. right? And you think of what human potential, how amazing our potential can be, right? What we don't think about is the coach that helps develop that potential, the help, the, the help with us growing into something better than we were, helping us get past those boundaries and those obstacles and the self-doubt. Mm-hmm. That's what you are. You're that person that like an athletic coach helps people become an upgraded version of themselves. You're a spiritual coach. 
you help people. Yeah, I I think of it as I help guide people yeah. through their grief and really help support them because their grief journey is their own, but I, I can guide them through it. I can give them tools. I can support them and really, yeah. I love that, that entire thing. I just, I, I can't even, the gestalt of it. I just think it's beautiful. I want to thank you for coming on. And uh, my words can't express how grateful I am that you could share your, your amazing message with our podcast and with our show and our audience today. Yeah. Thank you for having me on, Jason. It's been a pleasure. I appreciate it. I want to thank Megan for coming on the show today. It takes a lot of courage to share your personal situation. And when you're a grieving mom, I can only imagine how much more courage that requires. The unthinkable reality of losing a child is probably one of the greatest fears any mom could ever have. When I went through my cancer diagnosis a few years ago, I remember my mom afterwards telling me that she said a prayer every night and she prayed that I wouldn't die before her, but instead that she would die a normal, you know, live a normal life and and die before I would. And that resonated with me uh, in terms of the connection that a mother and a child share with one another. One of the things I get from today's interview is the thought that life can end at any minute. And you could either, when it happens, if we lose someone, you could either sit in the fetal position and give up, or you can embrace the challenge. Not all heroes wear capes. Megan's a hero. She's offering hope where so many seek and need hope. She's giving you the ability as a grieving mom to know that this isn't the last stop on your train. Your journey is only beginning. The journey of taking something that's unthinkable and turning it into something that can truly transcend. Hope is a powerful thing. I ask each of you to check out the Grieving Moms podcast. Check out Megan's information. I'm going to have everything in my show notes. And I appreciate you for tuning into this message today that we shared of hope, renewal, resiliency, to know that even if you're dealing with grief, that grief is a fleeting state of mind. It may last, you may carry it with you, but you have all these other states of minds of empowerment, turning something that feels empty into something that's whole again. Think of these things. Think of Megan and what she's done from a situation which for so many would seem unthinkable. Thank you for tuning into this podcast. Thank you for everything that you've done to support our show. And I really appreciate it. Stay positive because when you're positive, anything's possible. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Social Psychic Radio Show. Don't forget to join us for another episode next time. If you enjoyed the show, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give us a review on iTunes. You can also check us out on Facebook and don't forget to visit the Social Psychic YouTube channel. Until next time, it's a big world out there. Keep an open mind, embrace your paradigms, and know that the universe is always yours to explore. Are you looking for that perfect gift to express your appreciation for your loved one or bestie? Well, look no further. Royal Susie offers one-of-a-kind designs with genuine high-quality crystals, stones, and the most precious of metals that are guaranteed to satisfy the urges of your inner king or queen. Each piece is handcrafted with love and is sure to inspire and captivate all. Indulge yourself by visiting Royal Susie's website at www.royalsusie.com for splendid items like agate bookends, impressively crystal-studded bottle stoppers, and beautifully handcrafted nightlights that will charm every room in your home. Royal Susie's featured collections will truly delight your guests and always make them feel welcome. Any questions? Contact Royal Susie directly by email at royalsusiedesigns at yahoo.com. With the Baker's Plus card, it's easy to get lower than low prices for the win. Earn fuel points on every purchase and save up to a dollar a gallon at the pump. The Baker's Plus card. All you do is win. Big, big savings. Sign up now at bakersplus.com and start saving. Bakers, fresh for everyone. Savings may vary by state. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your favorites with the buy five or more, save a dollar each sale. Simply buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with your card. 
Baker's, fresh for everyone. Electric acid. Welcome to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing, where we harmonize your mind, body, and soul. I'm Amanda, your sound therapy expert. And I'm Stephen, the curious explorer uncovering the mysteries of sound. Together we explore vibrations, frequencies and the power of sound therapy and tuning forks. Discover ancient wisdom, reduce stress and tune into a healthier life. Subscribe to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing today. Hi, I'm Mark. And I'm Peter. We're the founders of Electrocast Media, bringing you great podcasts like Nightmare Road Stories, Tech Talk Revolution, and Bodacious Minds. Electrocast networks include Ruby for female empowerment, the best business network, and GPN for geopolitics. We built this company to create community and amplify diverse voices, and we really appreciate your support. So, keep listening to Electrocast Podcasts and hear the culture. Electrocast. 